Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line by embracing behavioral economics. And now, here are your hosts, world-renowned thought leader on customer experience, Colin Shaw, and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. If the product is free, mm. you are the product. Right. They're not investing all this money to provide this service for the goodness of their heart. They're doing it to make money out of all the information that you're providing. When you're in a monopoly, you don't treat customers yep. well. Yep. Whether it's government departments, whether it's Henry Ford, as you mentioned earlier, or whether it's, well, there are only two people that you can get your internet services from. Whatever market you're in, if you're in a monopoly, then the customer always suffers. We can turn our customers' information into a revenue stream. And there's a period of time where that was essentially the business model of almost every tech firm that came out, right? So we'll, we'll lose money up front, but we're gonna gather this huge customer database and we'll be able to monetize that. I feel like the days of that business model are coming to an end. So interesting, Ryan, I've just been reading in the New York Times that Facebook has been fined something like five billion mm -hmm. for privacy violations. And interestingly, <laughs> the share price went up. The interesting part of that news is that was apparently good news, that it was just five billion dollars. Yeah, I mean, it's just a mere five billion. I mean, it's, <laughs> in fact, it was interesting. That's one month's revenues. So part of the reason why the share price went up is because everyone thought it was going to be a lot more, and it wasn't. Another way of phrasing that is a lot of people thought that it deserved to be a lot more than it was. Yes, absolutely. So today we're going to talk a bit about Facebook, and we're going to talk a bit about trust and you know the implications of all of that moving forward, because Ryan and I have been chatting, and you know we both certainly think that the issue of trust is going to be well, remains a massive issue moving forward. But particularly when you start getting into sort of the age of AI, etc. So, Ryan, do you want to start? Let's both declare an interest here. Are, are you a user of Facebook or what? I am a Facebook user, but I have seriously considered stopping using it. I mean, you and I exchanged some articles in advance of this podcast recording and you know, one of the things that was in the news recently about Facebook is Steve Wozniak, one of the founders of Apple, came out and encouraged people to get off Facebook. He said, this is bad. It's worse than you know. And you find a way to extricate yourself from it. I take these concerns kind of seriously. It, it's hard for me. I value Facebook. I, I'm not a naysayer on social media. I think it's done a lot of good. It's done a lot of good for me personally. There are friendships that I have maintained and formed on Facebook, and it would be hard for me to give that up. Sure. On the other hand, it seems to be just a rolling dumpster fire of bad news. Yeah. They keep screwing up. I agree. And again, just to declare, I've used Facebook. We still use it from my business or what I call my business account. I have to say we don't use it very much, though. Uh, LinkedIn and Twitter are our main avenues. 
our main channels. But I used to use it for all my friends and family and everything else. But I have to say, after the Cambridge Analytica scandal, I stopped using it. There's disadvantages, absolutely, that you, you obviously not contacting your friends and stuff like that anymore, but there are other ways of doing it. But it just feels that they're collecting so much data on you. Yeah. And I heard the other day, I thought this was a great description, that they're using AI to capture and keep your attention mm -hmm. to maximize their ad revenues. And you just go, well, yeah, I mean, that makes sense from their perspective. They want you to use Facebook a lot, and therefore they will make more money by selling more stuff. But it's just too much. And, you know, you mentioned Steve Wozniak, and, you know, we wouldn't have a podcast unless we mentioned Apple. That's right. And, you know, I think it's really interesting. At some point, you better start getting that revenue from them. <laughs> at, at some point, there's got to be a little tit for tat there. Yeah. I'm going to go and have a word with Tim Cook and see what we can do. Yeah. I wish I did, but uh, there we go. But the interesting part is for me that Apple say that privacy is a human right. You know, and that's where I I sit with a, this whole sort of discussion. And it made me starting to think about, I mean, if you look at the stuff that Zuckerberg's done or Facebook has done, the Russian interference, the fake news, the Cambridge Analytica stuff, you know, the whole collecting all this data, it just says that the culture of the organization is not built around yeah. keeping customers' information private, basically. Well, in fact, the, the FTC fine was a follow-on fine. So several years ago, Facebook was slapped on the wrist by the government and said, you need to protect the privacy of your users. And so they engaged in an agreement with the government that said, okay, we will protect people's privacy. And this $5 billion fine is because they violated that agreement. So, that, I mean, this is multiple strikes, multiple screw-ups. Sure. So the interesting part for me is, and we've been both talking about AI and, you know, new companies and how these AI machines are going to be built. And it just makes me start to go, if they're built on a foundation of collecting information and then the misuse of that information... The danger is, is that suddenly that AI becomes a real issue because of the way it's been built. Am I making sense? Yeah. As we've talked through this, it strikes me that for as being as technologically advanced as Facebook is, being kind of on the cutting edge of social media and the way people interact and, and of artificial intelligence, the culture seems very old school in terms of the way they treat their customers, right? It, sure. They seem to treat customers as a commodity. I mean, it, it reminds me of that old, you know, Henry Ford quote about people can have any color of Model T they want as long as it's black. Yeah. It's very much a top-down, like, we are going to impose on the customer what we think. In fact, an early Facebook scandal, I mean, this seems almost quaint now at this point, but Facebook used to allow people to sort their news feed so that, you could get it chronologically or you could get it weighted kind of by importance or something else. And then Facebook took that over and decided, nope, we're going to decide what you see. And it really upset people. But it, it was very much of this mode of, no, no, we're going to decide what is right for you, the customer, and you're going to have to just lump it. And so combining these two, as you say, 
feels kind of dystopian where it's like, no, you're a commodity and we're not going to allow you to have any say. We're not going to provide any transparency. And we're just going to then layer on all of this technology, which is going to squeeze you for maximum revenue. Yeah, and that becomes, you know, I mean, it's classic stuff, isn't it? You know, when you're the dominant player in the market, and again, what I think people sort of fail to remember is that if the product is free, Mm. you are the product. Right. They're not investing all this money to provide this service for the goodness of their heart. They're doing it to make money out of all the information that you're providing. I think the issue for me becomes... But are they being open about the amount of information that's being collected and what they're doing with it and how they're doing with it? And moreover, are they then putting that in a simple way? Because I'm sure if somebody from Facebook was on the line now, they would be going, oh, yeah, well, if you look at our terms and conditions, right, right. page number 73 billion, paragraph C, we tell people there. But, you know, it's just that sort of ethos. And if you move away from Facebook for a moment and you then start to go, as these companies start to create AI and as they learn, okay, which is effectively what AI is doing, is machine learning, then I guess the question is, well, what are they learning? (laughs) You know, are they learning to be a system that puts the customer first and privacy first? Or are they learning to be more underhand and more and less transparent and all those other wonderful things? So I think it's that classic stuff, you know, again, more general point about AI of sort of garbage in, garbage out. And the, the danger is, is how do these things get set up and what's the culture of the organization that's setting them up? And therefore, what's the output of those going to be? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, if we can pull in a little bit of economic theory here, because you talk about Apple and I talk about theory, that's yeah. what we do. <laughs> we can talk about trust as being and creating a trustworthy organization as just being kind of a moral and ethical issue, like everyone should be doing this. We can also look at it, though, from a business economics perspective. And this should be important and should be beneficial for almost everyone, but there are going to be certain markets, certain organizations where this is going to be more important and others where it's going to be less important to the bottom line. Sure. And some of that is around switching costs. So if customers are locked in for some reason or another, then trust is going to matter less. That doesn't make it any less kind of ethically responsible as a thing to do. But, you know, we talk about internet providers, and a lot of times, especially in the U.S. Can we not talk about internet? I was having a good day until you mentioned internet providers. So let's talk about widget providers, <laughs> a hypothetical organization that provides widgets. But a lot of these services operate in places where people don't have a lot of choice. So in the U.S. especially, you know, a lot of times you only have one, sometimes two providers for internet. And, you know, you sign a contract and there's, you know, cancellation fees. And, and in settings like that, most people don't trust their internet provider and it's not great. Like I'm not arguing in favor of that as a business model. And I think that these firms could make small changes that could increase trust a lot. And it's a shame that they haven't, but it matters less to their bottom line than it does to 
a service with no barriers to exit like Facebook. So I mean, Facebook is, is one of the biggest companies that's ever existed in the world. And so we think of it sometimes as being inevitable. But Facebook was not the first service in this game. You know, MySpace existed before Facebook did doing something very similar. Google Plus tried to do something similar. Friendster existed before any of those. The idea that, you know, the value of the social network. And as soon as people like Colin start leaving, the value can decline really fast. Why not let Colin and Ryan speak at your next conference? As you can hear, they're great communicators and can get over a message in a simple, inspiring, and humorous way. Contact Beyond Philosophy by going to beyondphilosophy.com slash contact. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash contact. <laughs> this is a trip down memory lane, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's, Facebook was not the one to develop this business model. They just did it better. I think the overall issue for me is sort of the human trait of when you're in a monopoly, you don't treat customers yep. well. Yeah. Whether it's government departments, whether it's Henry Ford, as you mentioned earlier, you know, any mm-hmm. guy you want as long as he's black, or whether it's, uh, well, there are only two people that you can get your internet services from. Whatever market you're in, if you're in a monopoly or a virtual monopoly, then the customer always suffers unless unless the leadership has seen that that's okay for the short term. You, know, you can make lots of money out of that in the short term, but the longer term is an issue. And another organization that I dislike is Ryanair. They're a budget airline in the UK. And they're one of the largest airlines in Europe, I think, maybe even the largest airline in Europe now. But, you know, they are exceptionally cheap, okay? And that's how they've grown their their marketplace. But their CEO has just said some appalling things about customers in terms of, you know, customers shouldn't get refunds and et cetera, et cetera. There's been some quotes in newspapers about the things that he said. And you then go to yourself, well, I wonder, therefore, when the employee is talking to the customer, what do they do? You know, well, they see how the CEO reacts and what he says or she says. And then they, you know, obviously they're going to do the same. Now, interestingly, that what's happened over the last two or three years, I would say, with Ryanair has been that they've clearly started to recognize that there's been lots of more competition starting to come up. And they're starting to change what they do. Or, in my view, they are outwardly saying that the customer is more important and they made mistakes in the past, et cetera, et cetera. But I really don't think a leopard changes its spots. And I think that's the problem they face. And I worry that's the problem that Facebook end up facing, is a leopard doesn't change its spots. If you don't have the customer at heart, if you are not having a, an organization that's built on trust, then guess what? You know, the output is, you are the output, basically. And that becomes the, the issue. Yeah. Monopolies certainly can foster these low trust firms, these low trust organizations, almost always. But it's not limited to just there, right? I mean, we come up with all kinds of examples of firms who 
just don't make trust a priority. And, and again, it, it feels very old school to me. Like this feels like the way you would run a company in the 1950s where it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah you know, we don't, customers will have to come, you know, you build the mousetrap and they have to come as opposed to recognizing that transparency and trust are things that customers really value and, and they can drive their decision making. Okay, so why don't we do our usual bit of, you know, what does this mean? If you're in a, an organization or you're the next Facebook that's going to be launched or, you know, next big idea, what are the implications? What does it mean that you do? Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Uh, you can go first. So I think for me, the issue becomes, and it's a bit actually, an organization just popped into my head as I was just about to say this, and that is Amazon. And Jeff Bezos has always had at the heart of the organization wanting to be the most customer-centric organization in the world, okay? And, you know, there's lots of evidence of that. And I personally trust Amazon. I never have spoken to anybody from Amazon, but I trust mm. them. And that trust has been built up over a period of time. So I guess the point I'm trying to get to is this. When you start, have the customer at your heart. When you start realizing that actually, if you're in a monopoly, then that monopoly will only last a period of time. But you've really got to have the customer at the heart of your organization. And at the heart of that, for me, is trust and privacy and recognizing those things truly. And really the acid test for me is, you know, when push comes to shove, then what do you do? So if you were to turn around and say, well, I'm going to lose 10% of my revenues if we make this decision, you know, but if we actually go down this route, you know, we're likely to make 10% more. And, you know, the second route is got something bad in it. What do you do? What choice do you make? So my key advice would be to build that organization based upon customer centricity and trust. If you're like an organization where people don't trust you now, you've got to build that trust back. But you've also then got to recognize that that's going to take a hell of a long time. And you will be over-scrutinized in what you do. And you've just got to keep a firm hand on the tiller and you know, make sure that you're heading in the in the right direction. So you can turn it around, but it takes a long time. It's hard, yeah. What about you? What are your thoughts? I think that when, you know, kind of the internet boom introduced a lot of new business models and new revenue sources, and firms were very excited about that and took advantage of it. And one of them was this idea that we can turn our customers' information into a revenue stream. And there was a period of time where that was essentially the business model of almost every tech firm that came out, right? So we'll, we'll lose money up front, but we're going to gather this huge customer database and we'll be able to monetize that. I feel like the days of that business model are coming to an end, at least from the perspective of kind of this being 
something that we can do behind the scenes as customers think we're doing something else, right? So this was Facebook's model. We're going to provide the service. Meanwhile, we're going to be collecting all kinds of information and using that to sell ads and then sell on to other organizations as well. And I just, I think people are going to start really rebelling against that. You know, I think Facebook as an entity will continue for a long time because they've diversified their business model. But, you know, it was on the news this morning there. Facebook is thinking of launching its own cryptocurrency, uh, Libra or Lira. Yeah. And my thought was, who in the world wants this? (laughs) Who wants to trust Facebook of all organizations with their banking? So some of the models that they're moving into require trust. Sure. And to the extent that they have, you know, exploited that and burned that out, it's going to make it a lot harder for them to continue to diversify and seek new sources of, of revenue and income because people do not trust them as an organization. And it it doesn't take anything but discipline to stop using Facebook. And then there, there goes their business model. Yeah, no, it was actually interesting. I was listening to a podcast the other day and I can't remember which one it was, but the person was making the point that with GDPR, you know, this privacy law oh, yeah. in, in Europe now, the interesting thing is that what happens now is people go onto a website and it comes up and basically says, are you okay with accepting cookies and blah, 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 blah. And everybody, including myself, just clicks okay. So, yep. <laughs> now in there, it could have something, you know, in the, the terms and conditions, it could have something that's really nasty that I've decided that I have to sell my children for 50p yeah. or for a dollar. So I guess the point is, is that human nature is such that you never look into those things. So there's this balance, basically, I think. The other side of it, though, is it does not take a large percentage of your customer base to agitate and force change. So, yeah, it's, you know, the vast majority of people are not going to read those terms and conditions and not going to care. But it does not take very many people agitating for privacy in order to get laws changed and to start a negative public relations campaign that can really damage the firm. Yeah. And I I think this is going to be a massive topic going forward as we move move into the new world. So thanks very much, everybody, for listening. If you could do us one favor, and that is to go on to wherever you've downloaded this from and leave a review, that would really help Riling and I. So thanks very much for listening today. We will talk to you next week. Thanks. This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast. And we'll talk with you next time on The Intuitive Customer.